Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. Amen. I'm, I'm glad to, uh, thankful to Pastor Mario. I want to thank you for preaching such a powerful message while we were in Costa Rica. Next Sunday is Mission Sunday. Can anybody in here believe that next month is April already? Sorry, next week. Time is flying, amen. So next next Sunday is already Mission Sunday, and we're going to have a really great video uh, of what God did in Costa Rica. So thank you for your prayers. Carla is still there, and uh, she picked a good day to be out because I'm talking about marriage today. Amen. But if you're not married, it's going to be good for you anyways because there's principles in relationships, amen. And uh, we, 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 we believe in this church that this is a very important topic because we believe that strong Marriages make strong families, and strong families make a strong church. So once again, just like we already did, if you're here for the first time, second time, third time, haven't been here for a while, you're a guest, and we want to make sure that you're welcome. Let's give them another hand. Just say thank you for being here. We know you could be anywhere this morning, but you chose to come here, and we just thank God that you're here, and we pray that by the time you leave, maybe you don't remember the message or the songs, but you remember that you, God's presence was here. Amen. And uh, I, I just know that God wants us to talk about this this morning. We had an interesting change of events on Wednesday. Uh, we were t- testifying about Costa Rica and did an altar call and prayed for salvation. And then all of a sudden the, the, altar just, the altar call just turned to marriage. And we ended up praying for all of our marriages and our couples. And it was just the Holy Spirit. And so I felt led and impressed these last few days to preach a message on marriage, and uh, I was telling someone after the first service, we probably don't do this enough, because it's a very necessary subject, and you know, today I'm thinking about marriage, and I'm thinking about how communication is probably one of the biggest things that makes a marriage fail, and and, and, and being on the same page, and, and uh, so when I think about confusion, what's who you don't want to be like? How many know you want to be like somebody, and there's people you don't want to be like? You don't want to be like this man who was in Chicago and living up north in the cold, and his wife was away on business and uh, out of another state, and he said, I mean, I'm, I'm just tired of living in this cold. I'm going down to sunny Florida. And so he made the decision that he was going to go, and so he started to write an email to his wife and said, Honey, I'm going now, and he wanted her to go down to Florida, and so when you get back from your business trip, don't come, you know, to where I'm at, go to, or to Chicago, go to Florida, meet me there. So he makes the email, and, but when he's making it, he, said, he hit a wrong letter, and the email ended up going to some elderly lady in Iowa who had just lost her husband the day before. And so she gets this email, and she opens it and faints. And so her family comes around, the loved ones that are at the, were at the funeral, and say, Mom, what's wrong? What's going on? And they saw her email open. Well, the email read in the first line, My dearest love, I've made it safely. And then the second line read, And I can't wait for you to get here tomorrow. Signed your loving husband, P.S. It's hot down here. Some of y'all will get that next week, amen? 
that's a lack of communication. That's a problem, amen? And sometimes in marriages, there's people that think that, you know, marriage is difficult. Some people look at marriage good. Marriage is difficult. Marriage can be discouraging sometimes. And some people sum it up in, in three rings. They say the engagement ring, the wedding ring, and suffering. But that's not me. I'm just saying some people, okay? Some people. But on a serious note, this is serious. This isn't a joke. A man is looking at his, his bedroom wall, and he sees a big crack. So his wife says, we need to get that fixed. So he calls the painter. The painter comes. He says, I need you to fix that crack. So it comes in and scrapes it and fills it in and puts the texture back over and repaints it, makes it look real nice, gives the guy the bill. He pays him, and he leaves. About a month later, the crack comes back again. And so he's pretty frustrated. Anybody ever done that in your house, had something fixed, and what you fixed comes back? So he calls the painter back and says, you know, I'm a little bit frustrated with you. You just fixed this. You charged me a pretty, pretty good amount of money. Can you come back and fix it? And so, yeah, yeah, I'll come back and fix this. I don't understand, though, why that would happen. It's kind of weird. That doesn't usually happen. He says, I'll fix it. So he does it again, textures again, paints again, leaves it all nice, and leaves. Another couple months happen, and all of a sudden now that crack comes back, but it's got some cousins and some aunts and some uncles. There's a whole bunch of cracks on the wall. So he's extra mad, and he says, I'm not calling that painter back again. I'm going to get somebody who's going to come fix these cracks. He calls another painter, and the painter comes, walks into his bedroom, and he looks at it, looks at the guy, looks back up at the cracks. And he says, sir, I'm sorry, I can't fix this crack. He said, what do you mean? You're a painter. All you got to do is put some stuff in there and fix it. He said, you don't understand, I can't fix this crack. He said, this crack is, is symptoms of a shifting foundation. And until you fix the foundation of your house, you're just going to keep patching the wall in your bedroom. How many are following where this is going? That's the problem with marriages. That's the problem with there's not a good foundation. We're dealing so many times in our marriages with our spouses with cracks on the wall. And we're at each other trying to patch these cracks up, but we're not fixing the foundational problem. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. Amen. Let's just pray. Father, we ask your spirit to speak to us. Lord, I thank you for what you did in the first service. I thank you for what you're going to do in this second service. I pray for everyone that's here and everyone that's watching online. I pray for those that will hear this on a podcast at a later time. And I just ask that your spirit would speak to us and you would open up our hearts this morning to receive what you have put in my heart for these people so that we can have strong and powerful marriages, Father, and relationships, Father. And devil, you are defeated, and your spirit that binds and come against and, and destroys and ruins marriages is defeated this morning as well and armed, disarmed on the cross of Calvary. And we thank you for powerful relationships in this place in Jesus' name. And everybody said? So the title is The Covenant of Marriage. We've got some good notes that you can take this morning. If you're not married and you're looking to get married someday, take notes. I, I, would have, I was telling the guys Friday I would have loved to have had some of these things told to me when I was recently married. I never had, I had good examples in my parents, but I never had anybody teaching me the things that I'm going to teach you this morning. I really believe it's going to help. So if I were to grab one word, and I am this morning, to sum up what makes a good marriage... It is that word right there that we don't know a lot about, and it's called covenant. We, how many know that there's, there, are, there are things in the Bible that are fundamental to us, but we don't use them on a daily basis? Like You don't go around saying, hey, how's your covenant going? Right? 
I mean, has anybody ever asked you, hey, how's your covenant? Probably not. But your marriage is a covenant. And so I want to talk about the word covenant. And I want you to, I, I'm going I'm to talk about some things that are, that are very strong and deeply rooted in the word, but they're also very simple. God is a God of covenant. Okay? And, and let me just tell you what, what that means, just, just in case you, 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 you get lost. And here's, what, here's a simple way. Covenant is a divinely created relationship. Okay? Just keep that in the, in the front and the back of your mind and side as well. So covenant is something that God established in the Bible, and it's actually mentioned 344 times. That's how, much, that's how important it is. And let me give you some examples so you'll go, oh, that's what a covenant is. The very first covenant that we saw uh, was to Noah. Noah said, I'll never destroy, I make a covenant with you today that I'll never destroy the earth again by water. And so he put that rainbow in the sky. It was a covenant. And, and then we saw the covenant with Abraham. He says, I'm going to make a covenant with you and your people, and your descendants will be as many as the sands on the seashore. Then he goes on to make a covenant with Moses. And he talks about the laws and how, sh- how we should live. And he basically says, if you'll fulfill these covenants and these, these, these relationships that I've given you, then, then you'll be blessed. And then he went on to have the Davidic covenant, which was the covenant with the seed of Abraham, where, where Jesus is the son of David, the seed of David, and he fulfills that. And so he's always doing these covenants. And then finally we have the most important one, although none are, are less important because they're the foundation, is the new covenant. The new covenant of Jesus Christ coming and saying, I, I am doing a new covenant, which is my blood. And we take the Lord's Supper in remembrance of that. And so all through the Bible, it, to make it simple, especially for new believers, covenant is God's plan, God's, God's relationship with us. And here's the cool thing. God never fails on his part. So let me make this simple. If, if you're here today and your marriage is not where your marriage needs to be, God's not the problem. Okay, God's not the crack. The foundation of your marriage is the problem. And you might not have that foundation strong today because you haven't learned some of the things that I want to teach you. Here's here's some good news, though. No matter where your marriage is today, it can be better today. Like today. For reals. Tell the person for reals. It can change today. And I believe that. Because that's the God we serve. He's the God of second chances, third chances, 50th chances. He's looking at hearts this morning that are saying, and, I, and this is the one you have to say, I want to have a better marriage. Like even if you have a good marriage, can't you have a better marriage? Now if you have a bad marriage, it's not, it's not hard to get a better marriage because it's bad. But even if you have a bad one, it can get better. If you have a good one, it can get better. If you have a better one, it can get better, better. Amen, or better times too. Wherever you're at, the good news is God wants to speak to us. If you're not married, save these notes for the time you get married. You're young. Make yourself a decision. Teenagers that are here right now, look at me for just one second. Make a decision right now today. I'm going to wait for one person. I'm going to marry one person in my life. And I'm going to save myself for that one person. I'm going to make sure that I'm set apart till the day I meet that person God wants me to marry. And how many parents in here can say, please listen, kids, amen. Okay? So there's decisions that we can make. This is, this is for everybody. But specifically for the marriages, as we look at these covenants, we, there's one that gets missed a lot, and it's actually the really the first covenant. It was the covenant of marriage. 
all the way back in the book of Genesis. And we're going to look at a few scriptures. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 2 in a second, but I want to read the end part of Malachi. This is the last book in the Old Testament. And I want you to see something here. Just the end of 2.14. Don't read the rest for time. But look at the last few words. It says, yet she is your companion. That would be a good thing to underline. Because we're going to talk about that in a little bit. She is your companion. And watch this. Your wife by covenant. So she's not just your wife. He's not just your husband. He's your wife or husband by divine appointment. In other words, marriage was created by God for us. And so there's a covenant there, and, and your wife or your husband is in the, inside of that covenant. Now, let's look at Genesis 2 and see the specific def definition of what marriage is. It says, Adam said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, and we'll talk about that in a moment, because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man, here's the marriage covenant, shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And here's the key. They shall become one flesh. Amen? So all throughout the Bible, when you see God making a covenant, here's, here's what he's trying to do. He's trying to have the garden over again in our lives. Do you realize that the beginning plan of God before we messed up was, was great? He said it's good. He had a plan that never involved divorce, never involved pain, never involved suffering. His plan was perfect. And so his plan always is perfect. But the problem with the plan is, is God has to use us. We mess the plan up every single time. If you're, if you're struggling today as a husband or a wife or a couple, you have to say, this is my fault. This, I, I, I'm the one that's got to change. Because you cannot change your spouse. I'm not going to ask how many have tried. But you can't. And, and you're just beating your head against the wall thinking that you're going to change that person. Because the person that really needs to change is you. Us individually, and we're going we're gonna to get into some of these things. But I want us to understand that God's relationship, God's plan is, 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 is perfect. And then watch this. It has a warranty. This is, this is powerful. God's covenant has a warranty. How many know what a warranty is? How a warranty works? If you go by, this is one of the blessings. I know we look for used things, and that's good. And we, we look for, you know, things that are, that are like new and all that. But one of the blessings of buying something new is it comes with a warranty. What that warranty, stay with me on this, covers is as you use that product in the terms of how it is supposed to be used, the warranty covers every problem. Right? When you do something with that appliance that is outside of the plan for the appliance, the warranty is void. That's the picture of marriage today. God has a warranty for marriage. And he will stand behind his pact and his covenant of marriage. As long as a man and a woman, and that's the definition of marriage, a man and a woman are inside of that covenant with God, as long as they're doing what God has called them to do, he will back up his marriage plan with a warranty. 
Isn't that powerful? That, that means he's with you. He, he is a partner this morning. But the warranty can be voided if we use the product for something else. Now, I want to I show you something that the Lord showed me. I thought this was very powerful. Because sometimes we read stories in the Bible and we don't see the, the smaller things that God really wants us to see. I know everyone in here, and especially the kids that were just out here, have heard the story of David and the Goliath, right? Everybody's heard that. Most people that haven't even gone to church have heard of the story of David and Goliath. This little David defeats this big giant with some rocks. But I want to show you something about covenant. When we get outside of covenant, we are uncovered. When you are uncovered, anything can happen. Okay? And so that's, that's how God works. I want you to get that in your mind, please, as a, as a married couple. If I am in the right place and positioned right, my marriage is covered with a warranty. God is right there. But if I go outside of that covering, God is still right here. And I'm over there outside of the covering. Y'all following me? When you have an umbrella and you put it over you, that umbrella protects you from the water. But it doesn't keep the water from coming down. It still rains. That's why I said each one of you individually in your marriage have to be the one to have the covering over their life. You can't always cover your spouse. Your spouse can't always cover you, although there are some biblical things to that. But you have to understand that umbrella is covering your life, and it's still raining. Doesn't mean there's not going to be problems. Doesn't mean there's not going to be attacks. But you can be under the covering. That's how God has worked from Genesis to Revelation. So in this story with David, there, this big nine-and-a-half-foot giant comes out with 100 pounds of armor, and he's defying God's people. And he says, which one of you is going to come fight me? And he does it for 40 days. Finally, little David comes along, and he looks at the giant. And I want you to watch something. He, this is what we need. We need revelation from the Lord. He sees the giant. And God shows him something that I want you guys to see this morning. God shows David, and he says, and I don't have it in the scriptures. You can read it later. It's 1 Samuel 17. But, but listen to this. In 26 and 36, he says, this uncircumcised Philistine. He did not see his big old body. He did not see his armor. He did not see that this man had never lost a battle. He saw that this man was out of covenant with God. And he said, it doesn't matter how big this man is because he's not covered by God. It doesn't matter how small I am because I'm in covenant with God and I am in God. And that's why he said, by the spirit of the Lord, I can defeat this giant. So he saw a kink in his armor, which was that he had no covenant with God and he was unprotected. And so he threw those stones and defeated David because of the fact that he was out of covenant with God. He saw that error. How many see that with me? It's very small there. You don't see it. You don't think about it. But he said, I can get this guy because he has no covering. Now, reverse that. And watch how the devil looks at us. And if he sees us uncovered, if he sees us out of covenant with God, he sees an enemy that he can attack without any protection. Some of y'all are going to get that like on Tuesday or Thursday. You're going to get it though. That's what he sees. When he sees a couple that is not walking in the covenant of God and not as we're going to show you a few things, doing the things the way God wants us to do, he sees an area where he can attack 
And the Bible says he's like a roaring lion, seeking whom he can devour. And church, how many know today the problem with marriage is not just outside of the church, it's in the church too. One out of every two marriages ends in divorce today. And that's in the church too. I wouldn't be surprised if there's more people getting divorced in the church. But how many know we don't want that to be this church? When I say the church, that's the worldwide church. But that's why we've got to talk about stuff like this. So if you're still here and if you're following me and if, if you're allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to you, I'm going to show you some things this morning. Number one is, one, th- one thing I want you to think about, I said Wednesdays, God doesn't bless mess. When there's a mess, he can't bless it. So when I'm out of the covenant of God, he can't bless that. People say, I want God to bless my marriage. I want God to do this. And, and he can't. Say he can't. He can't because that marriage is out of blessing, out of, out of covenant with God. Now, I'm going to show you that this morning. I want, but I have a question. One question I want everyone to answer. Don't answer it out loud. Don't answer it to your spouse. But when was the last time, and I asked myself this too, when was the last time you looked at your marriage and looked at God as a partner? Think about that. God as a partner in your marriage. And think about that person. We pray to God. We believe in God. We go to church. But how often do we say, God, you are the third part, really the first, but the third part of this marriage. And Ecclesiastes talks about it. Every time I marry somebody, I use this Ecclesiastes example of a threefold cord is not easily broken. It is the symbol of many things, one including the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But in a marriage, you've got the husband, you've got the wife, and you've got God. When a marriage has God, a marriage is good. Okay? But I just want you to think about that. You don't have to answer it right now, but maybe this week you'll be thinking about it. Do I involve God as a partner in my marriage? Because if you don't, you're going to have troubles. Now, there's five things I'm going to show you really quickly in every covenant in the Bible. Five ingredients, five elements that as you look at every one I just mentioned to you, they're there. And I'm going to hit a couple a little harder than others, but this is number one if you're taking notes. The number one element of a covenant, in other words, what is a covenant made up of, is that this covenant of marriage is God-ordained. Okay? What does that mean? I'm I'm going to give you the deep part, then give you the elementary part of everything I say. What does that mean? That means we didn't make up marriage. God did. It's not human. It's God's idea. Okay, but how many know we have human ideas about marriage? And we don't need to waste the time this morning or the live stream time to go into the fact of how much marriage is attacked. With all the things that are going on in the world of sexual orientation and all those, all those things, they go without saying this morning. But even inside the actual marriage of a man and a woman, there is an attack. There's, there's a fact that we think sometimes, well, th- this is something I do. God invented marriage, not us. It's very important to understand that. So it wasn't, it wasn't like an afterthought. Matter of fact, I've got in my notes, not humanly established. So what does that mean then? If I'm living my marriage by my human thinking, I don't have a godly marriage. If I'm doing things the way I think I should do in my marriage, I don't have a godly marriage because God invented marriage. And if I'm going to have a good marriage, I have to do it God's way. Can I get a better amen? Although I'm not, I'm not really worried about the amens. Number two, I'm going to spend some time right here. This is kind of the gist of the message. Marriage, whether you like it or not, is a hierarchy. 
Someone asked in the first service, what's a hierarchy? It's a chain of command. There is a chain of command in marriage. Whether you like it or not. Some of you, some of you women, I can already, I can already read the cloud. Oh, boy. Because you know the chain of command. But don't worry. I'm going to be a lot harder on the guys than I am on the women. You know why? Because God is. God's harder on the man than he is the woman. And I'm going to show that to you. I'm going to show it to you in Scripture. So there, the second element, one of the most important elements of a covenant, is it's, there's a chain of command. Now we're going to look at that a little bit. So by creating man first, how many know that God created man first? Does everybody know that? They weren't created together. It wasn't like man and woman. He made man first. So I'm going to show you some Scriptures. Genesis chapter 2, verse 16. It says, Lord God commanded the man... And said, so he's already, he's already created, he's already living on the earth. We don't know exactly how long, but he's going through life. Eve's not there yet. And he commands the man, of every tree of the garden you shall freely eat. I want you to see that word freely because it's very important. That means free will. Why isn't marriage the way it's supposed to be today? Why isn't life the way it's supposed to be? Why isn't this world the way it's supposed to be? Because God gave us free will. It's the greatest gift he ever gave us. It's also the biggest problem. So I can, just, I can choose today if I want to have a good marriage or I can choose if I want to have a bad one. I, I choose. Do you believe that? It's the truth. No, but you, no, but you don't know. It, you choose. Freely, he says. He, this, this is the picture of life. He says, go and, and, and eat of every tree freely, but... Of that tree of knowledge of good and evil, don't eat it. And if you do, you'll die. So we're going to get to that a little later. There's consequences. But God says, you want to have a good marriage? Do it my way. You don't want to have a good marriage? You'll suffer the consequences. Just like he did right here. Okay? And so when you do things God, listen, when you do things God's way, you get blessed. When you do things your way, you get cursed. How many... Smart people here would rather have blessings. So God makes Adam out of the dust of the earth. He just, there he is. And he breathes in into that dust and it becomes a man. So he made man real fast. But he spent some time on Eve. I'm going to show you something very, very scriptural here. Man just kind of like dust. Guys, if we, we think we're something, we're just dust. He's just like, Pfft. But watch verse 22 of Genesis 2 where we were. Watch this. It says, then the rib, that's why I call my wife my rib. It's a biblical term. She's my rib. Man, woman came from man's rib. And it says, which the, the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made Notice the word made. Made in the, in the Hebrew is built. Or in other words, fashioned. They got it over there. Hello? Ben? He made, he built, he fashioned the woman. Now, that woman was supposed to be for one man's eyes and one man, but that's the truth. That, you got to go back to what 
And so he spent time on that woman. And so if, you, if a man says, man, my wife is built, he's, speak, he's speak, speaking scripturally. Amen? So then the Lord presents Eve to Adam. He says, this is going to be your wife. And he, watch this. He says, I want you to name her. And he names her woman coming out of man. This is where we probably get where the woman takes the man's name. You know, there's so much stuff in the Bible that we don't think about. God's plan is so perfect. Right? So he presents and he says, now, this is the marriage vow. Here's the covenant of marriage. And we already read it, but I want to read it one more time. Read it one more time. This is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. So he has this revelation. Therefore, a man shall leave. Now, I don't want to chase this rabbit, but some men have still never left their father and their mother to join to their wife. And they can go the other way around, too. When you get married, it's you and your, your spouse. Family is a blessing, and it's a wonderful thing, but they should not be involved in your everyday marriage. They're, they're supposed to support it, not run it. So I'm not going to chase that. Amen? That's another message. And they were, they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. This is what God intended. In the first service, they were a little more excited about that part. Can you imagine just being in the garden, eat whatever you want, you're naked. John, I'm looking at you, I know you're happy. Amen? You're both naked, no clothes, no, you don't have to even kill anything, all the food's there, and it's just you and your wife. That's what it was supposed to be like until we messed up. They were naked and not ashamed. That naked and afraid, that's, that's been around for a long time. But watch this. Now back to seriousness. Here's what the devil did. The devil attacked the hierarchy. Notice when, when Satan goes into the garden, he does not speak to the man. He speaks to Eve. He is usurping the authority of God. He knew he could not go to that man because that would have been in God's order. And so he, like David, saw the, the lack of covenant between that giant Philistine and God Satan saw the lack of covenant between Adam and Eve. And so he goes to the woman and he says this. This is very powerful. Has God said? He questions God's word. But this was something I was studying yesterday. It's very powerful. Look at it later, not now. In the chapter of 2 of Genesis, in the first chapter it says God, 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 God. But in the second chapter it says Lord God. Capital letters, L-O-R-D. If God is not Lord of your life, Satan can have his way with you. Okay? So Satan goes to Eve and attacks the hierarchy chain of command of God and does not say, has the Lord God said? He says, has God said, which could be any God. So there was a moment that, that of weakness of Eve that she did not have Lord as where Lord needed to be. Y'all following me? And so the roles are reversed, and Eve becomes the decision maker, and Adam becomes 
the follower. You know why it's so quiet in here? Because this is powerful. Eve becomes the, no, this is good. And Adam says, oh, yes, it is. And he follows Eve. The roles were reversed. And that's how the sin came in. Now, we can sit here and argue all day and joke all day. And I'm just going to throw in the fact that the woman did mess up first. But they messed up together, okay? We can fight over that all day long. The truth is they both messed up and they both cursed us all. But the fact is, the reason that happened is why so many marriages today are not strong. Because the roles of the marriage are not in the position that they're supposed to be. Can I get a better amen? So later in time, and this week, it's going to be a great topic for the small groups. I wish I could be a fly on the wall at all of them. In, in Ephesians, okay, God speaks about five, chapter 5, 22 to 33. If you want to write that down, we're not going to read any of that today. You might have thought that's where I was going to go with, with this today because that's got a lot of scripture. But ever since the fall of man, Satan has continually tried to destroy the hierarchy of the man being the leader. And watch this, and being responsible for his wife. When we, when I believe when we get to heaven, the first person, God is not going to ask me what I did with you as my church. He's going to ask me, where's your wife? Where's your kids? How would our society change today if every man would become responsible for his wife and his kids? Every single man. Amen? Then think about it. And so, yes, man, I'm being hard on you. Why? Because God makes it hard on us. Because in that part of Ephesians, he says that the man has to, he says this. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. He says to the woman, you got to love, sorry, you got to respect and submit to your husband. But he says to the husband, you have to love your wife as Christ loved the church and died for her. Men. Thank God we were not given the responsibility to bear children. Thank God. But he gave us the responsibility, in my opinion, to have to be the better person in the problem. Because she has to, she's supposed to, according to this, and we'll get into that in a second, submit to me. But he didn't ask me to do that. He says, you got to die. As Christ loved the church. How many marriages today are loving their wives as Christ loved the church? Amen? So let me give you an example of the hierarchy of God. God said, I am the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He did not say, I'm the God of Sarah and Rebecca and Rachel. Oh, that's so chauvinist. No, that's the Bible. And it's God's plan for the man to be the leader. Every time something like that is spoken in church and there is any kind of spirit that goes, that's the devil. It's the devil. Because we can try to be all equal all we want. We can try to be like, we we just keep doing that if we want. Watch where we're going to end up. God established roles. God established a chain of command. And it's not just with the husband and the wife. It is in nature. And it is in his own Godhead. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ. 
The head of woman is, whether you like it or not, ladies, whether the man likes it or not, this is God's word, and the head of Christ is, so even in the Godhead, there is a chain of command. Who are we to mess with God's chain of command? Who is society to mess with God's chain of command? We can't. And if we do, we get what we want, what we can get, which is problems, struggles, trials. Or we can walk in the covenant of God and understand this chain of command. And let me just throw you for a loop. Guess who wrote this? Paul. He wasn't even married. Oh, he had a motive, man, because he wanted his wife. No, he wasn't even married. Didn't even have a wife. He also gives some really good revelation in 1 Corinthians 7 about sex. And he wasn't even married. Okay? We'll talk about that later. We can go deeper on that stuff in a marriage seminar. But you know what? I'm not afraid to say these things around young people and, and kids because our school sure isn't. Our school's teaching our kids all kinds of stuff. Ridiculous stuff. So we're not going to be afraid to talk about this stuff in church because this is what our church needs to hear. Amen? What's, what's supposed to be right. So, messing with this chain of command is a huge reason why marriage is unsuccessful. But, men, this is not a domineering, machista, cook, have babies, and clean. That's not what it is. It's not what it is. Matter of fact, if you see the word helpmate in the Bible, it, in, the, in the Hebrew, it is Ezer Kenegdo. Here's what that means. A suitable helper. An essential collaborator. When was the last time you looked at your spouse as an essential collaborator? And not a cook, clothes washer, and baby maker. Amen? Don't worry, women. I'm going to come after you in a second. But it's both. But the man has the greater responsibility. So Ephesians 5, somebody getting something this morning. 22, which we're not going to read, says, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Now we're in the number two hierarchy chain of command. But see, when the man is not, when you go back to that verse, we don't have to look at it, but when you see that verse, it says, Christ is the head, God is the, the head of Christ is God. Man is the head of the woman. But if God, if the man does not have Christ as God, then he is not in the position for his woman to submit to him. Okay? It's very important. I had this crazy drunk dude way back in the beginning of our church, way over on Londonary, Fort, going into Fort Worth Drive that would call me and treated his wife horribly. He was a drunk. He was a loser, honestly. And he'd call me and tell me, Pastor, the Bible says my wife's supposed to submit to me. I said, then be a stinking man for her to submit to. Stop drinking and come to church and get your life right with God. But see how people like to use the scriptures? My wife's supposed to submit to me. Not if, you, not if you're not under the authority of Jesus Christ. That's the problem. But if that man is serving God and, and Jesus is his Lord, and the woman is out of position in her submission in respect to that husband, then she's the problem. Okay, so there's roles. Those are very, very, very important. So number three is there's rules. There's rules. I'm going to throw something out here. In this part here that I didn't say in the first service, which is great. This is just, this is free. 
when you fight. How many marriages fight here? All you teenagers, just go like this. Put, put your hands over your ears real quick. Come on, please do it. Just put your hands over your ears. Push them real hard. Okay, if you're married and when you fight, fight under the sheets. It's the best place to fight. That's discipleship. So there's rules, amen? Husbands, love your wives. Women, respect your husband. And that same love, this is the crazy thing. He says, woman, submit to your husband. That's a respect thing. But then he tells the man to love her, and it's the same love for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Men, we have a constant, non-ending job to try to love our wives as Christ loved the church. We'll never be able to, but we're supposed to try. Men, when was the last time that you thought of serving your wife? The Bible says the person who's the greatest is the servant. You want to have a better marriage? Help around the house. You want to have a better marriage? Look at your wife as an essential helper and collaborator. Again, instead of a maid and a baby maker and a baby mama. Amen? Some of y'all always, man, Pastor, I wish you'd have preached this back in the day before I got divorced. I understand. Your wife, men, I'm going to get to the woman in a second. I told you it'll be harder than men. Your wife is your queen. I, I sent a message to my wife this morning, and I said, I wish you were going to be here. I'm preaching on marriage. I said, I thank God for a godly wife that I have and a good marriage that we have. I said, I wish I could look over at your beautiful face instead of looking at this ugly teenager. Just kidding. You're handsome. <laughs> Just kidding. You're very handsome, very nice looking, very strong. But my wife would be right there in that, in that line. She's your queen. And before she was your queen, see, I'm just trying to help you guys. Before she was your queen, she was somebody's princess. That girl, that woman that you're married to is just a grown-up princess. And sometimes the, that woman had a, a great dad, and sometimes she had a bad dad, but she's still a princess. And she deserves to be treated that way. Amen? And when we, the quicker we get that in our minds, the better marriage we're going to have. Happy wife, happy life. Now, finishing up on the guys. Respect. She needs to respect me. I hear that all the time. She's supposed to respect me. Let me give you the definition of respect, if you want to hear it. Because that's what, that's easy. Man, just do that with me. She's supposed to respect me. Just say it. She's supposed to respect me. I said, y'all didn't even do it. Come on. That was probably smart. Here's the definition of respect. Listen, a feeling of deep admiration for someone. You can't make your wife have a deep admiration for you by force or by because the Bible says. You have to be respectable. You have to live a life like Christ lived. So that she admires you as her husband. So that she sees you as a provider and a protector and someone who has her best interests. 
Amen. When you look at your wife that way, it's going to change your marriage. Because it's not going to be, well, you got to respect me. It's I got to earn that respect because I want my wife, I want my wife to want to respect me. I want her to look at me and say, that's a good man. Not you have to. Y'all see the difference? That's the problem. And I know some of you were raised that way. Some of you were raised with the dad that way. I got a friend today that is unfortunately rotting in prison. Rotting in prison today. For horrible things he did. Raised with 25 brothers and sisters from 20 different women. And all he knew was to make babies. That's all he knew. That's what he grew up in. He thought being a man was making babies. So I know, church, that there are people who have had bad examples. But once you get in the church and you get the truth, the Bible says the truth will set you free. And you can start to line your life up with what God wants for your life and not what the world wants for your life. Don't use the crutch or the excuse that you had that bad example. That bad, I, It's there and I get it. But it's time to say, Lord, that's not me. That's not who I am. I want to ch- break this curse in my life and I want to start setting things in order for the future of my kids and my kids' kids. Now, women, it's your turn. Amen. Can I get a better amen? Men have an ego. I believe it's from God. And it needs to be stroked by the woman. The woman needs to feed the ego. Because I see something in girls for their fathers that women could learn for their husbands. My daughters to this day still think I'm Superman. They think there's nothing I can't do. Nothing I can't lift. They think I'm the greatest. They grew up that way. They looked at me that way. That's, that's how that ego, hey, daddy, you're so strong. Hey, daddy, you can do it. That needs to come from the wife, too. You can do good. You can do better. You're, thank, you for, thank you for this. You're, you're so strong. You're so handsome. Even if you got to lie, ego, 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 amen. <laughs> Build up that ego. Strengthen that ego. Stroke that ego. Sarah had a revelation, and it's in the New Testament. Look at this, 1 Peter chapter 3. Sarah obeyed Abraham, but he was being the way he had to be, and called him Lord. I still haven't got my wife to call me Lord yet, but I'm working on it. But you know what he's trying to say here? You know what she's saying with that? That sounds weird for us. Another word is master. I never called my husband master. I heard someone go, psh. (laughs) I get it. I get it. But you know what's really being said here in the words? She recognized his position as over her as the man and the leader and the Lord of their household. When a woman recognizes that in a man, it's a powerful thing. And and as the musicians begin to come, I want to show you something very powerful in this thought. It says, whose daughters you are if you do good and not afraid of any terror. Look at verse 7. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor. When was the last time you honored your wife? As to the weaker vessel, doesn't mean she's not physically strong. It means that's the chain of command. Does everybody see that difference? We see the weaker and we think, oh, their women are not weak. 
The fact that you have babies is proof of that. Everybody knows my take on that. There would be no, there'd be only be a billion people in the world if a man had babies, if you're new to the church. No man in his right mind would have two kids. But women have two and four and six and like my father-in-law, ten. And my grandpa, seventeen. So it's not the weaker physically, it's the chain of command. And it says, as being heirs together as to the grace of life. Watch this, that your prayers may not be hindered. When you see the chain of command like God wants it, the, the heavens are open on your marriage. She's your partner. She's your helpmate. Now the last two, I'm going to run through them real quick. I told you I was going to spend most of the time on two and three. Number four is there's sanctions. Sanction means there's rules. Or not rules, there's consequences. And here it is in one verse. Watch this. I like to sum it up in one verse. Deuteronomy 29.9. This is the fourth part. There's consequences. If you want to sit there and have a bad marriage, have it. It's on you. I don't. I told the guys, stay with me for one second. I just thought, of, I told the guys Sunday morning, you have a choice. You can look at your wife as someone who's honor you honor, or you can live on the corner of the rooftop. Pro right there in the same chapter. He says, it's better to live on a corner of a rooftop than with a contentious woman. Or you can have a wife who's honorable and you love. You're making that happen, by the way. Okay? I'm not saying that there's not situations, people go crazy. and all. I'm talking general population. Okay? But look what he says under the sanctions of the covenant, of the warranty, of the pact of God in marriage. He says, keep the words of the covenant. I do. Till death do us part. For rich or for poor, in sickness and in health, I do. Keep it and do them that you may prosper in all that you do. Or the flip, you can read, the, you can read that later if you want. The, the, the curse side's five times longer. You can have that. Why would you want that? And the last one is, I said it a few minutes ago, covenants are generational. They're generational. That means you can start today. Some of, some of you in here have had horrible examples as parents, people in your lives. Today, you can start the good and start a new generation. The Bible says he visits up to four generations, those who, who, who turn from him, but he visits thousands of those who obey him. Which one are we going to be? And look, I sent you this verse today, Psalms 103, but the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness. Look at this to children's children to such as what keep his covenant and to those who remember his commandments to do them. Some of you people that are just starting to come, man, God is going to do some amazing things in your lives. You're going you're gonna to be so blown away at how things change. And if you stick to it, like Michael and Tiffany said, like Pastor Safari said, and you stay with it long enough, you're going to look back and go, wow, this thing works. This works. Because it works. But you got to work it. It, it. The buck stops with me. 
I, I got to want to be the best husband, the best father, the best leader. I can't change my wife. I can pray for her. I can say, Lord, help her see things. These, But, Lord, I'm the one that needs to change. I'm the one that needs to make sure that I'm in the position. And listen, if you're in the position you need to be in, just stand there. Just stand there. There's all kinds of verses in the Bible that talk about covering the other and all that. But I, I'm just giving you the benefit of the doubt today that you want to have a good marriage. That you want to have the blessings and the favor of God. And that you want your kids and your children's kids and their kids passed down. See, I come from that. Don't hate me this morning because I come from that. I don't come from divorce. Don't, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not sorry for that. But I also understand how hard it is that, for those that do. But I'm not going to apologize for my parents being married for almost 55 years. And my grandparents both got to 60. I'm not going to apologize that I, I don't even, I'd have to go back a long ways to see anybody on my parents, both sides, that got divorced. You've seen before my, my sister, my aunt that's been here, all four of the sisters made it to 55 years in marriage. That's what I come from. And I'm just smart enough to say it worked for them. I'm going to keep doing it so my kids can see it and my grandkids can see it. But the flip side is you had a horrible example. Well, now you're in this church and you've got good examples to look at. So stop pulling out that excuse and pulling out the woe is me and all that and start changing some things. Start asking the Lord to help you. Today your, today your marriage can change. Today. Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for this time together. I have no doubt that you spoke to us this morning from your word. I have no doubt that you're transforming lives through this live stream, God, that you're touching even our churches around this metroplex, God, that are going to be listening to this as churches, Father, that are going to work on their marriages, God, and work on their, on their relationships, God, not just not just in married couples, but with kids and all the relationships we have. But it starts with that man and that woman saying, God, we want to be under the covenant of your plan for our marriage this morning. But today, if you want to have a good marriage and Jesus Christ is not Lord of your life, it won't work. That's where it starts. That man and that woman need to give Jesus Christ lordship of their life. Christ is the head of the church. How many across this congregation, front to back and side to side, under the inspiration and power of the Holy Spirit today, he's dealing with you, could say, today I need to make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. I've never done that before, and today is the, my day as a father, as a mother, to step up and start living for God. You've never done it. Just lift up your hand and say, pray for me this morning. All across this place, I watch your hand. Just put it up. I see your hand. I see your hand. How many more? I see your hand. How many more? That's me. I want Jesus to change my life today. I see your hand. God bless you. I see, I, want G, I see your hand. Jesus, today, today. It's not just for married couples. It's for everybody. Is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? We're not teaching religion here. We're teaching relationship. Christ died on that cross for our sins. He wants to give you a, a, a new life. He wants to forgive you. He wants to set you on a new path. He wants you to get rid of that pain. And today can be the beginning of a new day for you. As you stand to your feet all across this place, I want to talk to those that raise their hands. I want you to be honest, and I want you to make a bold statement this morning. I want you to say, I want Jesus.
to be Lord of my life. If you raised your hand and you meant it, you want to give your life to Jesus today, there's an aisle near your seat. Just step out. Just quickly find that nearest aisle and come down here. Right where I'm, I'll wait for you right here. Just come down. Step out and come down. Many hands went up. I can't make you come. Come on, just step out and come. Praise the Lord. Amen. Someone will come stand behind you. There were some hands over here. Amen. Some hands over here. Praise the Lord. Yeah, you don't have to look at them. Hallelujah. How many more? I'm going to wait just a moment. Maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you're not ready to meet Jesus today. You're not saved. You're a sinner. We're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. Jesus came down to this earth to live a perfect life, and he wants to help us. All that suffering you went through, he knows it because he took it on his, on his body on that cross. And all you have to do, the Bible says, is believe that he died on that cross for your sins. And if you do, the Bible says you'll become a new creation. Amen? So we're going to pray. I believe there's some people watching online. You need to make this decision as well to give Jesus Christ the lordship of your life. I want everyone across this place to say this with me. This is a prayer from the Bible. Lord Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. I fall short of your glory. Jesus, I believe with all my heart and I confess with my mouth, you are Lord. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you also rose from the dead to defeat death. You did that for me. Today I put my faith in that. Today I open up my life and surrender to you the will of my life. Please forgive me for all of my sins. I am sorry. I repent. I renounce my thoughts, my ways, my desires, and I surrender to you. From this moment forward, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to obey your commands, and you're going to do great things in my life. Please write my name in the Lamb's book of life in Jesus' name. And devil, I don't serve you anymore. You can't deceive me or lie to me. You're defeated by the blood of Jesus and the power of the cross in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a big praise this morning. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com. Thanks again for listening.